salutations and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast, where we scorch the history books and take back the word harlot one episode at a time. This is the show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. And we try not to get too sidetracked with rants about putrid patriarchy. I'm Kara Mia, a mom of three. And I'm Emily, a fur mom of three. So go grab your pork rinds or your kale chips. A glass of wine or a big old mug of tea. We're not judging. We will keep you entertained while you wash your dishes, wash your feet, or wash that man right out of your hair. This show also contains alcohol, some very colorful language, and eyebrow raise, sexual content, and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. Taste of your wine. It's all all. Wait, hello. <laughs> <We're going. laughs> uh, another piece of wisdom from Caribbea. Take a sip of your wine when your throat is sore. It cures all. <laughs> well, it's really good wine because my brother sent me wine for Christmas. This is the first time, like all pandemic, I haven't been drinking box wine. And let's be clear, Emily and I both like worked with wine. We we know good wine. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> It's like I get like so embarrassed when I go to the grocery store to get a box because I'm like somebody I know from some winery is gonna see me and poo-poo me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. They wouldn't even be able to be close enough to you to tell what you were getting anyway. I like feel so judged every time I walk out because usually if I go to the grocery store to get a box, it's like at ten o'clock at night and that's the only thing I'm getting. (laughs) I don't. I wouldn't judge you. I think that's a very acceptable. Okay, that's Karamia. Oh, hi. And that's Emily. <laughs> <laughs> this is Highlights of History podcast. We're a little all over the place because we just got done with all of our holiday celebrations. And, and for some reason, we were dumb enough to not take a break. What, with holidays? Yeah. A holiday break? Yeah, a lot of podcasts take holiday breaks, Emily. Oh, I was like, what are you talking about? I've been on a break for like 10 months. <laughs> Not a break, a forced An sabbatical. Enforced, yeah, there you go. That's a good word. Enforced seclusion. Yeah, definitely not a break. Oh, okay. Well, um, I hope that you guys had a happy holidays and that you found some way to make it make it special. Or at least peaceful and cozy. Like, you know, hopefully like there was a bright spot, like you didn't have to see people that you don't want to see. And you didn't have to buy gifts that you didn't want to buy. Yes. Oh, wait. Okay. So should we do should we do business? Because I do have something that I want to say. Oh, please go ahead. I two things. So one, I uh, just want to say, um, obviously, we're not experts on this, but I listened to an episode on this podcast will kill you, or half of an episode because I was driving. Um, I'm going to listen to the rest of it about on this podcast will kill you about vaccines for COVID, and it's a really good episode. Um, they they talk a lot and give a lot of information. So I just think it's a really good one for anyone that's wanting to know more about the vaccines and the science behind them. Oh, good one. Yeah. So, yeah, this podcast will kill you. I think it's their most recent one, but it's like an hour. They have a lot of information. They talk to people that are actually working on the vac- vaccines. They explain it really, really well. Ooh. Like, yeah. So 
it was super helpful for me. And here I am just like, I've just like, have been binging vulgar history and learning all about these like royal lines. And I learned all of today. I learned all about Lady Jane Grey, who was only queen for nine days when she was 16. And then she was beheaded. Oh, speaking of it, do you want, do you want to talk about what our January is going to be? Or are we going to leave that a surprise? Do we, do you remember what we decided? <laughs> It's going to be like, uh, wait, what did we decide? Was it like royal or bohemian? No. No, it was something else. Middle Ages. Renaissance. Was it Renaissance? Medieval. We were getting there. We were getting there. And also, (laughs) Emily, I came came up with another like really good theme for the month of May. We were going to do like, we're going to do like, like salacious mothers. Oh, that's a good one. Right? Like ones and or like, you know, mothers who are Mr. Like, I just think that'd be really, really fun. That's a, that a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we're going back to our roots with that. And then also, I just wanted to say um, we are on Patreon. We also know that things have kind of been all over the place. Um, but Emily and I are going to be getting a lot more structured back in the new year. Taking on a podcast was a lot more than we reckoned for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially because, like, we we do everything ourselves. And, like, as of, like, the past couple of weeks, Emily's been doing everything herself because I've had to take a little bit of a break. <laughs> I, well, you you did it all for me when I was in finals. That's okay. It's, like, it's an ebb and a flow. It's a- Right. But, yeah, we, we do everything for ourselves. And we just got our first little bit of ad revenue, which went directly back into our podcast. So Patreon is something that would go directly towards helping us. We appreciate it. Of course, it is not at all necessary no. Um, and we also wanted to say that we are going to um, be getting some merch soon. We are in the process of getting samples to make sure that, it, you know, it's all quality. Yeah, we want to do that. So um, look forward to that. Make within. sure the bags can hold like at least like a couple of books. Without a couple of bottles of wine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Maybe like a little like light puppy. <laughs> like you don't know, don't you remember like no like when we would go down around downtown Seattle with my sister's dog Minnie she would go in like my sister's like bag or purse like with her head popping out I don't remember that yeah but that makes sense Minnie was yeah. really small I mean Minnie still is really small I know she like weighed like six pounds so hopefully her bags can hold more than a six pound dog I think they look like they can but I'll have to wait till they arrive <laughs> okay <laughs> So, um, we decided that we, we did the naughty yachts for a couple weeks and we decided that we wanted to, we felt like we had enough of the 2000s. And they're done that. We've lived them. We're bored. We were bored. <laughs> so we wanted to do a fun one that we've had in the, um, it, God, I'm burping. I'm so sorry. Hold on. Emily's okay. the burp queen, everyone. I'm the burp queen. Um, so we wanted to do something. We've actually had this one like on the on the runway. Wait, what am I in thinking the of? Vaults. In the vaults. On the in runway. the archives. <laughs> it, well, it hasn't been archived yet. I just read it. Like, on our mood board. <laughs> on our mood board. There you go. For a couple of weeks, months, a really long time. We've been wanting to do this for a long time, but we just wanted to make this a really fun one. And this was, like, this did take place a long, like, not a long time ago, but, like, kind of in that, like, weird spot of where there's not, so much information there was a book that just came out about it but i didn't read it <laughs> i would love- at least you're being honest <laughs> i mean i just found the book today and i was like do i have time to read a book 
Anyway, so without further ado, um, we are talking today about the women who were the inspiration for the movie Chicago. And if you have, but it still surprises, I know. me. (laughs) Well, if you haven't seen Chicago, where I don't really want to do a synopsis because I'll just start singing all the songs. We might get sued. Um, So just turn this off and go watch Chicago right now, and then come back to this when you're done. And I promise you, it'll be worth it Mm -hmm. because it's like one of my favorite movies. But um, if you are refusing to watch it, basically it's about two women in Chicago. Actually, I'm not even going to do the scenario because I can't really, I can't really do it justice. But the people that we're going to be talking about. Who were very salacious, shady ladies who may or may not have done stuff and were put in jail and they were made since like they were sensationalized. Their trials were sensationalized. They were sensationalized. They were made legendary by their so-called crimes. Well, I decided not to talk about it because that's like literally what happened in real life. Okay, well, that's just enough of this, but yeah. That is. No, that is. There's a lot of singing and dancing. So, okay. So, in Chicago, Roxy Hart and Velma Kelly are the two main characters. So, the women that we're talking about today is Bula Anon, who is modeled after Roxy Hart. And Roxy um, Hart is modeled after. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. And Belva Gartner, who is uh, Velma Kelly, was modeled after. And actually, when I found this out, that they were actually both the same character, pretty much, in the original play. And then when they did the, like, when Fosse uh, did the adaptation in the 70s and then for the 2002 movie, uh, they kind of, like, flushed out the character of Velma Kelly to be more like Belva Gartner. But they were originally oh. both kind of combined into the character of Roxy Hart, which is interesting. Cool. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So Beulah and Nan, Roxy Hart. And the reason why I suggest strongly to go watch it is one, because it's like really, really great movie, but also because Beulah and Nan, her story is like, like Roxy Hart is modeled after her. So it's like their story is pretty much almost identical. Really? Yeah, I was surprised, and I kept, like, I have a singing show tunes, like, while I was researching this. But it just seemed so sensational. It was. It seemed, like, so, like, I guess I forget, like, how, like, journalism was back in that day. It was all for, like, shock value, you know, what sold newspaper. But it's so interesting, because, okay, so we'll talk about that. I have a little thing about, uh, do you want, I have a thing about her at the end, but do you want to know about the woman who wrote the play now or at the end? However you think it fits. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, I'll, I'll just tell you about her now and then I'll tell you more. So Maureen Dallas Watkins was the woman that wrote the play. And she was actually the journalist who covered these two murders. Oh, and she had just been hired for the Chicago Tribune like a month before these happened. And she got her first byline. Like she was getting front page bylines a month later because she was covering these. She also they made, they made her career. They did, but she was also really pissed off about how how these cases turned out, and we'll get into it. But um, she also covered the Leopold and Loeb trial. Why do I know this? I looked kind of briefly looked into it, and there was a really long article on it. But they basically they were like these educated men who kidnapped and killed a son of a really famous. There's like a famous. It's like a famous murder trial. They kidnapped and like killed the, the son of a really rich guy. 
and they like ransom him. Oh. Yeah. But then they killed him before the money. And then, but she like in, snuck into the funeral of the guy and interviewed them like a couple hours before. So she was like living for the murders. Wow. Anyway, like, I mean, like, okay, yuck, you are exploiting victims and victims' families, but also kind of like, yay for your gumption. <laughs> She wasn't really exploiting them. She was, I think, what she was trying to catch these people. Like, she wanted these oh, people to get justice. Okay. That's cool. She actually, okay, spoiler alert. You gotta write her name down because, like, we should. I did. Yeah. The, about her. Yeah. Well, the book that just came out talks a lot about her, too. Yeah. No, she, I have a little a bit about her, too, because I really, really like her. Um, she, so spoiler alert, they both got off. They were both acquitted for these murders. And also, spoiler alert, both women committed the murders they're both guilty but they they got off and we'll talk about it um but she got so mad that she left like she quit she was like i i'm sick of watching guilty people like get away with it just because they're pretty and then she went and started studying playwriting and that's where chicago came from Hmm. and it made her a millionaire yeah i know so okay i was gonna talk about that at the end but i thought it was interesting oh that's really cool what was her name? Her again? name is Marine Dallas Watkins. Cool. Yeah, she's really cool. Um, okay, so Beulah Anon was born on November 18th, 1899 in Owensboro, Kentucky. Um, and she was born as Beulah Sheriff. She had some sort of childhood. <laughs> we don't know anything that happened. And then she married her first husband at some point in time. <laughs> A newspaper operator by the name of Perry Stevens. Um, she must have been pretty young because by the time she was 20, she had divorced Mr. Perry Stevens and married a guy named Albert Al Anon, a.k.a. Mr. Cellophane. And if you haven't seen Which Chicago. I love, I love John C. Riley's character. So sweet. I showed it to Matt because Matt's never, well, Matt and I tried to watch chicago a couple years ago on christmas but he got too high and fell asleep in the first scene and so i was showing him all these videos and uh he loves set brothers so he was like shocked that john c riley was in that and i was like that's literally how i know him was from chicago i know sorry i'm just like blah bros we're working on it we're working on it uh we watched that for christmas last year my mom is still traumatized okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she tried to watch, make us watch the holiday this year because she's like, you made us watch that stupid movie last year. <laughs> okay. So um, she, so Beulah and Al moved to Chicago and she, he, so he was a um, like car mechanic and she became a bookkeeper at Tenet's Model Laundry, which is where she met Harry Kaldstadt, who became her lover. Hmm. So on April 3rd, 1924, so she was 24 years old. Beulah found her husband, Al, and told him that she had shot and killed a man who had tried to make love to her. I So I was I kind of confused about, like, the timeline because these trials actually happened really, really fast. Like, her actual trial happened six weeks after this murder. Wow, that and, is really fast. Yeah. So um, in a news article by Maureen Dallas Watkins um, on April 4th, 1924. So that's the next day. She was describing the events of the night before, and it sounds like a grand jury had already happened. So again, I was like a little confused about the timeline. I don't know if it was actually the next day she was writing this, but um, I have a bunch of quotes from her from different articles that she wrote, because I really like her writing style, and also it's just like, you know, I think it sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I was practicing my old timey voice. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm not going to because I can't do it. You did it really well last oh, did time. I? I know, but yeah. I was tipsy last time, so. Well, get a little drunker and then you can do it for us. So, okay, this is a quote from um, Mrs. Watkins' journal, or uh, journal. <laughs> Sorry, newspaper quote. article. Yeah, there you go. All right, quote, Beulah Mayanon, the 23-year-old wife who shot, quote, the other man, Thursday afternoon to the tune of her husband's phonograph was held to the grand jury yesterday afternoon by a coroner's jury. That is amazing. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Oh, I, I know. I I'm, really like, I'm like shocked, delightfully shocked. Oh, I know. Well, it's, okay. So assisting state attorneys, Bert Cronson, Roy Wood, and William McLaughlin are preparing to rush the case to an early trial at which they will ask the death penalty. Thursday afternoon, Mrs. Anon played Hula Lou on the phonograph while the wooer she had shot during a trunken quarrel lay dying in her bedroom at 817 East 46th Street. I bet I know why they would rush the trial, Em, because it, they knew it was going to be sensationalized beyond belief. And how would they get a jury that wouldn't be that would be like, you know, impartial? Well, they didn't. Yeah. Well, they yeah, because um, so they said like uh, the story, her story changes multiple times. Um, and then, which is like, it's, it's just like very, very similar to like, Ro- like it's identical to Roxy. Her story changes like a lot of times. And then one police officer like arriving said that the man had been dead for four hours. And then another was like, Oh, you've been dead for 30 minutes. But the the story is that she played this hula loo. And I think she admitted to this, which I, I can't play it on here for copyright, but I was trying to find a non-copyrighted version, but you can actually find hula loo on Spotify. And it's really like I could just she says so she was like watching him die for four hours drinking cocktails playing this song. Okay, hold on. I gotta I gotta listen. I know I was I, I should have sent this all to you before. I just like save that song. I, so I love totally, like, every time I apply my lipstick from now on, I'm gonna be like putting it on me like every time you're like looking like drinking a cocktail and you're like mad at like Richard, you could just like drink it and look at him. And he won't know, but you'll know. <laughs> well, I immensely like stir my cocktail stir. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Love you. I'm not threatening anything. Oh my gosh. So she, she literally sat there listening to that while drinking like martinis or like back with gin or whatever. Yeah, that's probably. Well, yeah, that's or wine. She's a cocktail. I'm just imagining her drinking a martini. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, so that's like the story. Again, the story changed, but like I think that was like one of her, her first ones says, so, yeah, initially when she was arrested, she was still, I think, tipsy because she said that he'd come over in the day and then he had borrowed money from her to go get wine. He came back with two quarts of wine. I was trying to think of like a quart. That sounds like a lot. But is that a quart of wine? Uh, it's not that much. Okay. It's no, like there. what a quart of milk looks like, you know, it's like skinnier than a get. It's like one of the skinny ones. Like, I don't think I even like a quart is like- of wine, though, is a lot. That's like. I mean, how but many, two people that might be like heavy drinkers looking for an all day binge, like, no. I have to look it up. I should have. How many milliliters is in a quart? I spelled milliliter wrong, so it's up to you. <laughs> oh my God. It's 946 milliliters. What is that? So that's like a, a, a bottle of wine is 750 milliliters. So that's almost a liter, which is like those big wine, big bottles. <clears throat> So, like, large format. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, like, when we used to go get white, like, cheap white wine at the gas station and mix it with Sprite? Kyla Rassi? 
Yeah, but no, Carla Rossi came in the jug. It's like this bottle right here, seven fifty. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the bigger ones. Okay. So two of those. That's a lot. That would get me drunk. That's yeah. like that's, that's like three bottles of wine. But like maybe they, like I said, if they're like looking at going on an all day bender, and they both are pretty heavy drinkers. That's true, but still, they were definitely like drunk. So they had a quarrel. Well, she she said, like, her initial thing, and I guess she was still drunk, was that he had, like, advanced on her, so she shot him. But then later that night, she broke down and said that he actually told her that he was leaving her, so she shot him. Which it's like, I probably would have sucked mm-hmm. your first story. Right, but, like, also, you know? she's, like, I can also imagine when you are, like, like when you're that emotional, like, or you're that into your emotions. Cause I don't like to use the words emotional with women. Cause that's a bad connotation. I am emotional, but I hate like using it because yeah, man's world. Um, but I can just imagine when you're that, like your emotions are that strong. You feel so convicted in them that you feel like anything's justified or mm-hmm. because of like how angry you are. You know, we've all been to the point where we've been so angry, but like what you do with that anger you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Emily and I have both been cheated on. We both have been left. We both have been this, but we didn't kill anyone. <laughs> yeah. And neither, neither of us uh, have reacted this way to our partners. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so here's another quote from the grand jury and this, I really want to, <sighs> I want to sing, but yeah. Okay. So here's another quote. Uh, and if you've seen Chicago, you know where this comes from. So from, from this article, quote, a revolver was lying on the bed and both sprang, both went for the gun, interrupted W.W. O'Brien, counsel for Mimis Anon, both sprang for it. She cupped her chin in a slim white hand with its orange blossom ring and didn't blanch as the state read her answer to the question. Why didn't he get that far? Damned good reason. I shot him. <laughs> I'm like living my best like actress life right now. Like just like such a different. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I I'm like immediately like, you know, I mean, all my kids are named after 1920s like names. If we like, had the time machine, that would be like the first place we would go. I okay, feel. If anyone doesn't know, my kids' names are Zelda, Alfred, and Edith. And my cat's <laughs> name is Salem, so I like witches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I know. I really, yeah, it's just so interesting. So the trial was rushed, um, and Beulah gained a lot of attention from the press, and she used her good looks to her advantage and created, like, a pretty impressive PR campaign for herself. And she was widely thought of as too pretty to hang. Like, that was literally, yeah. So uh, she waited six weeks for the trial. Her story changed from confession to self-defense to jealous rage. Um, In the trial, her defense was that she had told him that she was pregnant, and he was like, had tried to kill her, so she shot him in self defense. The prosecutor, and some were saying that she shot him while he was like putting on his hat and coat. But it's like, if he was putting on his hat and coat, then he wasn't reaching for the gun. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think it's the way that it was like portrayed in Chicago where he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they were yeah. like, wrestling with the gun that she grabbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the prosecutors were asking for the death penalty, but yeah, again, the jury thought she was too pretty to be executed. So they found her not guilty. And so crazy. I know. Well, yeah. And there's like a really good, we'll get to it at the end. There's a quote from this new book that like I included that does a really good job of 
like relating it to modern times that like really tied it together for me. So we'll we'll get to it. But here's another quote uh, from Miss Watkins. And again, she was overcome with emotion when Mr. O'Brien painted the picture of this frail little girl struggling with a drunken brute. And the jury shook their heads in approbation and chewed gum more energetically. The verdict is in your hands, was the voice of the people's prosecutor, and you must decide whether you will permit a woman to commit a crime and let her go because she is good-looking. You must decide whether you want to let another pretty woman go out and say, I got away with it. And they did. You know what I wonder? I feel like women who are really good-looking now that commit crimes, don't you feel like people find them even more guilty? Like, at at least the media does? I don't know, but they definitely talk about that in the book about how, like, it's like, like, these are basically like the influencers of the 1920s. You well, know, the, the, the it girl started. Yeah, the it the girl. 1920s. Yeah. Clara Bow was the first it girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just so, yeah, it's so interesting. And, like, I kind of put little quotes about that throughout there, but it basically, like, their only weapons were, you know, their looks and their stuff. And so it's like, their blonde mm-hmm. curls, their pin curls. Well, their, they were actually yeah, their, their, brunette, but yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Or in their <laughs> knees. Remember, they always like lift up and they show their knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their knee. And then they like, they act like they're like, like they faint and stuff. Yeah. Where's my chase lounge, my fainting couch? I want a fainting couch, though. I feel like we would be using it a lot in this day and age. <laughs> I would, yeah. I mean, I really need a fainting couch. I think it per- fits perfectly with my personality. I have a Emily, lot of dramatic. Emily, she wants a diva moment. I was going to say, I was just going to say for all my diva I moments. I beat you to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the day after she was acquitted, which was less than two months after the murder, which is like insane to me. Like wow. that it was so fast. I yeah. Know. She made a sa- statement saying, I've left my husband. He is too slow. Her husband so also. Mean. That's, sorry. That's just so be. I, really I just mean. keep, I just keep imagining John C. Riley. I'm sorry. Like if her husband was horrible, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. What about the baby? No, he wasn't. I think he, John C. Riley was actually like pretty accurately based on this husband from what I know about him. You know, that's just from what I know. There's not like a whole lot except for like, in this book, there might be a little bit more, but from what I've read, he was like, he got her the best lawyers. And he literally said on the stand, like, I work 50 hours a week at the mechanic for you. Like, or like I work 50 or no, he's like, I work all these time and I make $50 a week to pay off our apartment. Like he just, he just sounds exactly like John C. Riley, you know, that she was just using him and he, you know, he stood by her. And then like the day after her trial, she was kind of like, bye. Poor guy. I know. But also, I mean, like, like you, we also, don't know. But also, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, if she, if she, that was her only tool, I'm sorry. It's just a really complicated situation. I can't. I can't. I don't know anything. Sorry. It's a really complicated situation. <laughs> I I don't really. I don't really admire either of these women. No, um, but at the same time, they're just like so like legendary that you like sometimes like can't help but like begrudgingly be like. Hmm. And it's also like so far displaced from our time. It is, but you both know? of them like don't have the best track records. Um, they also so so she she left him like the day after she was acquitted and said that really mean thing. And then in 1926, she changed her story and was like, "Oh, he deserted me." In 1927, she married a boxer named Edward Harlib, and his parents were like, ooh, really? Uh, like, 
Are you sure? And then she divorced him, uh, I think, five months later, saying that he was cruel. She won in court, and he paid her $5,000, which was the equivalent today of $74,000. And again, we don't know. Like, we can't, you know, Mm -hmm. we can't say. Um, We can't speak to that. So she died at age 28 (gasps) of tuberculosis. That's so young. I know. Yeah, just a couple years after she got off of the death penalty. Uh, at the Chicago Fresh Air Sanitarium, and all three of her ex-husbands came to her funeral. Really? I thought, yeah, that that tidbit shocked me. I mean, I mean, she must have left something lasting. She she was she was really really pretty. She was really gorgeous. And she's just like she's got that like quintessential face that launched a thousand ships. She's just like that quintessential flapper with like the you know the hair and then. She just mm-hmm. she's got really like, Wait, I have to look who up. I know. I was gonna tell her you should you should look it up. I was gonna send you pictures. Oh wow. Right? Yeah, she's gorgeous. She's not even just that she's interesting. Mm-hmm. Whoa. What? And they show her on the, the stand? Mm-hmm. What? She wore satin? Yeah. <gasps> did you that, see where getting... they like did you see where they restored the picture of her? It's like I haven't that, seen that. Oh, sorry, it's like that picture, but they like gave oh, her. Yeah, look at really bad. Yeah, sorry. I haven't. Demand noose for prettiest woman slayer. Right? No, isn't she? She's like, oh yeah, oh wow, that is a really cool. Yeah, no, she definitely like. I yeah, I think she's she yeah she's got very striking features. Look at this. What life finally did to the girl with the man taming eyes. World into love, killing, notoriety, and illness, Chicago's most beautiful slayer changes her name to die unknown while four men weep at her tragic fade out. April 29th, 1928, Beulah Anand. How did I not see that? That is like the best headline ever. I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> believe that. I'm like, what? No, I know. I was like really shocked that like all of, yeah, like all of her ex-husbands came. Even... Albert, you know, it's like, I, yeah. Also, it's like, we, you know, she, there's really not that much information. Like, I definitely think that, I definitely think she killed the guy. We also don't know, like, exactly what happened. There's, there's this story, like, is actually, I think, way more complicated. Because it's not like, you know, with Matahari, we were able to, like, look at it and be like, oh, yes, this is, like, what happened. There's, like, she wasn't actually this, like, evil lady. Right. And, Hold on really quickly. Um, there was the subtext for the the article. Her name was Hula Lou, the kind of girl who could never be true. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Where, where article is that? I can't believe I didn't see that. Yeah, it's just it's something. It's about, it's called um, Unknown Gender History, the definitive white knight cautionary tale, the saga of Beulah Anand. Her name was Hula Lou, the kind of girl who never could be true. Oh my god. I like kind of mad I didn't see that. Okay. Sorry. Okay, continue about Matahari side. That was just really yeah, but no, yeah, it's just it's just like it's kind of hard too at this time because like also we have no idea what happened in her youth. We have no idea, like, did this guy back her in her corner and was it a trigger for her? And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's literally nothing about her until like she she got married and divorced before she was she was married for the second time before she was twenty years old. Like that's and like that's we crazy. Yeah, we have no idea what her parents were like. We have no idea or like you know without like I mean maybe maybe that's out there somewhere. But like 
I couldn't I couldn't find it. And I mean, I definitely think she shot him, but I don't think, you know, I don't know what else was happening. True, true. That might just help us understand it. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, you know, one thing we learned is, like, you can't really judge a book by its cover. You have to look at all the other stuff. And there's, like, not that much stuff that I was able to find about, like... It looks like a lot of repeating stuff. It was a lot of repeating. I was looking at a lot of, like, old articles and stuff and a lot of, like... There's a book that just came out, um, but there was also a lot of, like, new things repeating old things mm. and showing stuff. So, yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't think there's really n- that much known because, like, she was kind of, I don't think she really talked much about, like, her early life. Very clever, probably. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Do you mind if I go refill my wine? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so Belva Gardner, who was, also her character was meshed with... Beulah's, but she also was, um, like, like I said earlier, fleshed out to be Belma Kelly. Belva was born on September 14th, 1884 in Litchfield, Illinois, as Belva Eleonora Businger. I think Belva Gardner sounds better, way more fancy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she married a man named Mr. Overbeck at some point, and in 1917, she married William Gardner, who was 20 years older than her. So, in 1917, she was 33, right? Yeah. In her 30s, yeah. Yeah. So again, like one of those things where you're like, what happened? So she, 20 years old, and he was super rich. He ended up suing for annulment pretty soon after claiming that she wasn't divorced from her first husband. And then they remarried and then got divorced again. So, and then in 1920, after her divorce, she became a taxi driver to pay her bills. Very, right? Like, go, you go. <laughs> I know. I I found that article, an article about her being a taxi driver after I'd, like, written most of the story. And I was like, what? It was so cool. Because it was, like, this article about her being, like, there's, a, like, the taxi drivers, while they're waiting, will have a new taxi driver lady winning with them. I don't know. <laughs> it was, like, really interesting. And that was really cool. So, on March 11, 1924, she was arrested for shooting and killing her lover, Walter Law who was married with a kid. She was found in her apartment later wearing bloody clothes and told the police that she was driving drunk and couldn't remember what happened. And here is a quote from my favorite. (laughs) Belva Gartner, twice a divorcee, a page one notoriety, was placed in the county jail last night, charged by a coroner's jury with slaying Walter Law, a young automobile salesman. Law's body was found in her car early yesterday morning. He had been shot to death with a steel bullet after a cabaret gin party. And I'm like, a cabaret gin party. I just feel like, like, I just like sums up like the entire twenties in Chicago. Do you think he'd been shot to death with a steel bullet after a cabaret gin party? (laughs) Did I tell you that Chicago, you know, this Chicago is like my favorite city in the U S after I wrote this, I was like, you and I have to go to Chicago together. Yeah, I mean, that's like that living in Michigan. Chicago was our big city. Like, we used to go there multiple times a year. I haven't, I used to go, my brother used to live there. I've been a couple times, but I haven't been as like since I was like an adult. Like, I really want to go out to Chicago where we could like go get cocktails and eat pizza. Couldn't do that. A lot lot of good whiskey cocktails. I broke my nose. A lot of good food. Why did you? Oh, I can't. Uh, In Chicago when I was like seven. 
Or I almost broke my nose. I don't know. I, I like severely fucked my nose up and I had to stay in the hotel the whole time. Also, my mom's luggage got stolen oh. on the plane on the way to Chicago. Oh. And so she like had to wear one outfit the entire time we were there. Okay. I'm sure she was like super pleasant and quiet about that. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Marianne. <laughs> okay. Love you, mom. All right. So, um, okay. So Laws Coker, so at this, like the hearing, the like grand jury hearing to decide whether or not she'd like go to jail. Law's co-worker testified that he'd been wanting to take a life insurance policy out because she was possessive and had threatened him with a knife. And he was scared she was going to kill him. So less than 24 hours before his death, he had apparently confided to his friends that someday he thought he would be killed by her. And he didn't say it was her specifically, but he was like, I'm going to be killed one day by the woman I go on drinking sprees with several times a week. Like, I wonder who that could be. What are you doing going on drinking sprees several times a week with someone who's, like, not... Like, why aren't you home with your kid? (laughs) Yeah. And your wife, who's, like, maybe not threatening with you with a knife. But I don't know. Maybe she was. Who knows? We can't say. She was sent to prison to await the trial. And I read that, like, so she and Beulah kind of, like, in prison, they were, like, teaching all the other, like, girls in their, you know, hair and makeup. And, like, they were really using those as their weapons to be able to combat this jury. And her defense at trial was that he might have shot himself. (laughs) Like, I don't know. But basically, yeah, he was, he was like found in her car, really, like really bloody. And like, it's just like Velma Kelly. She's like, I didn't even know I'd shot them until I found the blood on my hands. And she said at her trial, I really like this quote. Quote, no woman can love a man enough to kill him. They aren't worth it because there are always plenty more. Walter was just a kid, 29, and I'm 38. Why Why should I have worried whether he loved me or whether he left me? Gin and guns, either one is bad enough, but together they get you in a dickens a mess, don't they? Like, can't you just saying that? I love that so much because I feel like I, like, resonated a lot with, like, that in my, like, wild years. I just love that. No woman, like, they aren't worth it. There's plenty more. Well, <laughs> I love it. Okay. It's like yeah, a so, better way to say fish in the sea. I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're not condoning violence. It's just like that quote was. No, we're gold. not. We're not. We're gold. But, but I just really like that saying. Um, and then, yeah, she was acquitted in June after three months. And here's the quote from you know who, quote, Belva Gardner, another of those women who messed things up by adding a gun to her fondness for gin and men, was acquitted last night at 12.10 o'clock of the murder of Walter Law. I just feel like that's like, I really, I just wow, like. Wow, it's just like. I know. I want I, to be a fly on that wall in that courtroom. I just want to see. like a flapper on the wall. <laughs> Sorry, that just brought like the funniest picture to me. <laughs> A flapper costume perched on the wall. <laughs> She's like trying to hide behind a like a pencil or something. Like a, <laughs> oh. okay. It's like I just feel like your flapper costume wouldn't like last like two hours on you. You'd get like annoyed by it. It sounds really itchy. That's ex- I could just that's exactly what this. I honestly don't like even think of the- <sighs> 
bobby pins like they had to, they had to put so many bobby pins. Ooh, oh i have like, like i hair. have like 25 bobby pins in my hair right now honestly unless you're like gonna be breaking into like a door frequently like betty cooper like why even use them what's the point there's no point so p.s i tried to like do that when zelda like accidentally like broke our lock or whatever like a couple oh, when i was watching her and zelda locked her out of here locked us out of your apartment oh yeah remember i broke back in did you i thought i did i know i tried and i couldn't i did credit card oh yeah you did <laughs> yeah i really got that <laughs> No, your door was like broken. I'm really glad no one ever like that was scary. Your door was really easy to break as, into. As long as the deadbolt, the deadbolt, if the deadbolt was on, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, those doors that that was like a really old building. That was like a hundred year old building, probably. Right. Uh, and so, <laughs> in 1925, after she was acquitted, she remarried Gardner a third time. And then what? in 1926, he filed for divorce. <laughs> Claiming that she threatened to murder him when he found her with another man. (laughs) (laughs) The gumption of this woman. I love, I mean, what are you going to do? She was just on trial for murder. She's like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And the thing is, you know, she has done it before. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, But then they moved to Europe together. Like, a couple of years later. <laughs> and they, like, think they lived there for, like, 18 years. Until she moved. Maybe, like, maybe they got divorced a couple more times. Yeah, where she killed him, yeah. Um, and then she moved back to California. And she died of natural causes at age 80. That's just, like, so funny. Like, you found me with another man, so I'm going to kill him. <laughs> no. I just, it's like the perfect defense. I mean, like, don't try this at home. Please don't try this at home. But like we're saying for her, like, she's like, she done it before. So it's like, that's actually something that would scare him. But I just can't believe it. Like, also, like, if she never changed her name, could you imagine if you were like, because that mean what that meant? She died like what? 60s in the 1960s, 1970s? 84, 64. Yeah. Like 63 or 64. Just like, but like, can you imagine? Like, I'm sure there was some person that like somehow came across her in her name one day or whatever. and was like, <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> like, can you imagine like working at the assisted living home? And you're like, crap, this old lady's killed. <laughs> you're like, oh God. No, well, I mean, I don't think if like. I don't bring her to you at two lemons. She's going to kill me. <laughs> If her Salisbury steak is cold, uh, or her tapioca oh pudding is hot, or maybe a tapioca pudding can be hot. I don't know. Tapioca pudding's gross. Okay. Our friendship is over. Tapioca pudding is amazing. Ugh. What? Tiramisu is gross too. I don't I don't think I like know what tiramisu tastes like. I don't have 40 minutes to wait for any desserts. <laughs> All I know is like I've taken a bite of it. There's like so much like cinnamon or whatever powder on top of it. It's like <laughs> Is that the one that takes like 20 40 like an hour? I've never tried to make it. Well, I know there's like one where you like have to, you know, they're on TV shows, they're always like, they sit down, they're like, oh, I'll have the tiramisu now. Put it in the oven. It will have it for the end oh, of the meal. Souffle. Oh, it is a souffle. Okay. I don't know. I don't know about tiramisu. <laughs> but you know, it's like the most pretentious. Like how I said that. I said that with like such disgust to you. I was like, it's the chocolate souffle, Emily. Don't you know anything from old movies? <laughs> well, no, but it's kind of like how at the cafe, we'd like sit down. We'd be like, we're going to have the chicken. Because like the chicken took it half an hour. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Okay. So, um, yeah. So, Maureen Dallas Watkins, as I said, uh, I talked a little bit about earlier. Yeah, she was born in Massachusetts, and she got a job at the Chicago Tribune, and she was writing front-page bylines a month later. But she was kind of pissed about the outcome of these murder murders, so she moved to New York. And I read somewhere that she, she it says she moved to New York. I also read that she um, studied at Yale, and she got a ninety eight percent on like the first draft of Chicago when she wrote it. But like people were kind of they were like, eh, like it's pretty sensationalized. But it actually premiered in in Chicago in nineteen twenty seven. So that was like three years after this happened. So that was very soon. After all these happened for like a play to be written, and actually, um, I believe both of them went to it. I know Belva Gardner did, and I think Beulah Anon also went to it. That's so funny! Oh my god! Right? Can you imagine? I just bet like it was like all imagine, over the headline. Like, Beulah and Belva like yelling, like that's not how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, let, me, like, let, 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 let me show you, and they're like super drunk, like staggering up to the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Belva's like, waving like Belva's waving again. Be like, if any of you stab me, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, and she literally like they tried over and over to um. She no, she wouldn't sign over the rights for Broadway. But when she died, Bob Fosse actually settled a deal with her estate to do it. And so they um. I read somewhere that this was like actually the most adapted play in history because it was came out in like. 1927 and then in the 40s there was Roxy Hart which is a comedy and then in the 70s it was on Broadway and then in 2002 it was the movie that's amazing wow that's crazy yeah um, it and it's like he did get the rights because like then we got this gem he did get the rights he settled it with oh, her thank goodness oh. he did because it's oh, I know. Like, so we got this gem yeah well yeah and it just turned it into like and it honestly it's like it is sensationalized, but it's like, that's how it was back then. So to wrap it up, um, I have this quote from an article by Heidi uh, Stevens from the Chicago Tribune about the new book, He Had It Coming, which is a Chicago Tribune book about Murderous Row, which I would really love to read. <gasps> yes. I know. I know. So, so we could do like a follow-up to this sometime. Um, so, quote, Swirling in the background as Mather and Rumor conducted their years-long research were the rumblings and reverberations of the Me Too movement, a presidential candidate bragging on tape about grabbing women by their genitals, that same presidential candidate leading his supporters in chants of locker up against his opponent, a country bitterly divided over a Supreme Court nominee accused of sexual assault, and the eventual swearing-in of that nominee. So much of what we've been finding feels like it hasn't changed, Rumor said. The accused woman being described first and foremost by their appearance. The accused woman with a pleasing appearance having a far easier time winning over the public and their juries. The accused woman struggling to make their authentic voices heard over the above the din of a media-driven narrative. Furthermore, the article discusses how racist... Oh, shit, that was my, that was my writing. <laughs> End quote. Um, yeah, so I was, I was saying, like, the further uh, the article also discusses how, like, racism and classism played a huge part in Chicago. And, um, the character, if you remember, the I think it was like the Hungarian character, yeah, she was Italian, and I believe that she was hung, but she she wasn't she didn't speak English, and she was referred to like as an animal 
in the press. I know. And it, it was because she wasn't, you know, from here, from America, but she was like an immigrant from another country. And she wasn't given the same rights that these women, women were given. And so it's like, yeah, it, it's just really interesting to look at it from, from like the perspective of this quote, because it's like, it doesn't seem like much has really changed in a hundred years. Right. It's just like it, like the proceedings seem to have gotten more civilized. Yeah. Well, and I was saying too, I was like, but you know, it's like the women that were getting off were like, the really like quote unquote beautiful ones. And the ones that weren't were like getting convicted and the jury was kind of like, you know, there's like a quote from the jury being like, Oh, well, you know, what can we do against a beautiful woman? Ha ha ha. Like, so it's just like, like, no, like the white girl gets away with something that yeah. someone who didn't look like her. No. Get away yeah. And it's like, well, and now, and they were talking about this, like, like a white girl too. gets caught with a gram of cocaine versus a black girl. Like, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And, you know, it's like, that's what they, you know, they were talking about, like, it's like, it, it really hasn't changed that much of there, you know, like if like these people were like Instagram influences or like, imagine these, like these women now it's like, you know, Kim Kardashian taking a jail selfie or something like that's like, you know, it's like these, yeah. like if these women are on Instagram, I'm posting it on Instagram. Like that's like completely what they were doing. Like, ah, <laughs> like no, they like knew they were going to get off because they could. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's horrible. But can I just have like a little bit of that confidence? I know, right? <laughs> wow, that was so interesting. That was so cool. That was so interesting. Like, I just, like, totally want to go, like, research a bunch more now. I do, too. And, like, this honestly wasn't supposed to be a super in-depth episode. This is supposed to be just kind of, like, a fun, like, toe taster. But, like, I actually really want to read this book. Toe taster, toe dipper. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is not a foot fetish podcast, Em. Oh, my <laughs> Oh my gosh, don't taste. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm so tired. You wanted to like say it's supposed to be like a little sip, a little taste, but I I'll think it was your toe in. I dare you to go up to your partner, Matt, and say, hey, do you want a toe taster? I'm going to. He's asleep. I'm going to wake up. Well, he wakes up way before me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say tomorrow, do you want a toe taster? <laughs> like, yeah, this is, this is just supposed to be something like light and fun, like go back into our normal content and just, yeah, wishing everyone, you know, just this is something to like listen to while you're doing your after Christmas cleanup, which is like probably really annoying because I'm finding it really annoying and I'm hiding from it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I haven't done after Christmas cleanup. I thought that's literally why I just made a big bowl of popcorn for Christmas and went over to my mom's and then was like, oh, gotta go. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> oh, my par- my parents were in my bubble. We expanded our bubble to them. It's just the four of us. We don't go out. Just clarifying. We all wear masks. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to do our happy? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Sorry. Sources. So, uh, real quick, I did uh, chicagoology.com, Wikipedia, Chicago. <laughs> 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 uh, I swear to God, I'm not even like drunk. It's just like late. I don't even know what's happening. Um, Chicago, <laughs> Wikipedia, Chicago Arts and Culture, and then the Chicago Drew 
Tribune article by Heidi Stevens. Amazing. That was so good. I like enjoyed it so much. <laughs> Did you enjoy it as much of a toe taster? <laughs> uh, people's feet are the worst. Oh my god, I can't bleh. I can't even smell my own feet. Emily! What? No, I can smell them. I just don't like to because they smell bad. Like, I know, but don't talk about that. <laughs> Keep your toes to yourself. <laughs> Everyone's toes smell bad. Shh. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Feet are not like, feet are not a delicacy. <laughs> ah, some people didn't think so. We're not yucking anyone's yums. We just, that's not our personal ah. preference. Ah. Sorry, no, I'm just okay, Kermia is backing your gums, but we're, I'm not. Like, I'm, you really, are I'm really trying to not. It's but like, okay, okay. I just my husband has the world's grossest feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Sorry. Because, though, they're so bad. They're so bad. They're so oh. gnarly. Oh. Also, I, like, my partner has chronic pain, so I massage his feet literally like two hours a day so i don't want to have any more contact with his feet (laughs) (laughs) but like let's just let's just call it that was our happy harlots we both don't we don't have neither of our partners want us to talk about their feet that's our happy harlots (laughs) well everyone have a happy holiday but we 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 will be seeing you wait january 1st let's just go New Year's. Are we yeah, New Year's. Thing? Yep, New Year's. New Year's Eve. New Year's. New Year's Eve. Yeah. All right. We'll see you New Year's Eve for a special New Year's Eve spectacular. 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 <laughs> okay. Bye. Hi, Harlots. We just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to Harlots of History. If you like what you heard today, please go and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep bringing you more salacious, scandalous harlots. Our music is Nia Proxis, Frank Riddick by Lloyd Rogers from freemusicarchive.com. And our cover art and editing is by us. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we love suggestions, tips, tricks, or just salacious details you think are interesting. So please reach out to us on Instagram at Harlots of History Podcast or on Twitter at History Harlots or email us at Harlots of History Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, be a harlot, not a hater. Bye. Bye.